Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller and Marjorie DeHay with Media Mavens podcast, and we're here with Doug Scott, co-founder of Subnation. What's going on, D. Scott? How are you doing today, Sarah? Marjorie and I are good. I'm just, we're just laughing because when we're chatting with you, <clears throat> you walked out. So we're like mic drop. So I feel like we're in Doug Scott 2.0 conversation right now. But I am super excited to have you on for a lot of reasons. One, we got some big topics to discover, big universe of metaverse. Two, I literally have got to say, and this is nothing biased because you're a cloner that I have known you almost my entire career, your presentation last week in New York on Web3 was outstanding. And that is not just my opinion, because I've been sharing the deck with people. It was literally such a much needed conversation that needed to be had. So it it was amazing being around you and watching you on stage talk about this. But let's talk and see what's going on with you guys. I have known you, Doug Scott, since I was a little peon at an agency pitching and begging you to give my clients some press or at herring and then you ceo ogilvy you're now running the largest esports and metaverse nft company like seriously impressive watching your career well i appreciate that just to clarify i founded uh, ogilvy entertainment which was the branded content division of ogilvy so by no means do i want to make myself out to be a, a bigger ad executive uh, oh, that's my than- job it makes you look bigger than you are. But, you know, yeah, the uh, career path has been fun. From Silicon Valley to uh, the art world in New York, from the art world in New York to Web 2.0 with the Hollywood Stock Exchange in LA to then period of uh, some small uh, indie work I did with Sean Combs when he ran the marathon for New York City Public Schools and then on to Ogilvy and Mather, uh, a brief stint at Endeavor where I uh, lived a recurring episode of Entourage. And then now submission. So it's yeah, good. It, it's just I, I want to talk about this. Like I, I this this shift, this shift of where we've been from sports, entertainment, music, art, fashion with Web three. I mean, let's talk about this because like you are clearly an expert in this field. There's so much noise. We need to start defining the market. It's a little convoluted to a lot of people, but let's talk a little bit about where you see this shift, like how it's coming about and where are we going from where we were with Web 2 now moving into Web 3? Well, you know, really it starts, everything starts with culture. And for me, what I'll say is my career path was, was very much oriented around culture and how to utilize communication tools to drive outcomes. So, you know, the framework that I developed that's been iterated over the years, but started out at Ogilvy was this idea of the five C's. So the first C is culture. Now we all have cultural passion points, whether we're into fashion or, or music or about food or, or film, right? We all uh, really engage with culture and there are subcultures to those cultures. I'm a sports fan, but I really like the NBA. And then even more so, uh, I'm a Lakers fan, right? Uh, even though I'm a New Yorker. So culture informs content. Right. Content comes in a lot of formats. It's probably one of the most overused words in the entertainment and media landscape today. Every brand is a content creator. Every influencer is a content creator. We're all content creators. Anybody that posts a tweet or an Instagram photo is creating content. But more importantly, content 
creates or establishes communities of like-minded individuals, right? And those communities uh, come together uh, at a live event. Those communities come together online through a social platform. And those communities have conversations, the fourth C, and those conversations really are meant to be moderated. They're meant to be monitored. And uh, in some degree, they're managed, right? Just like this conversation, you know, you're kind of managing uh, the direction of the conversation. But in the case of brands, they're stimulating that conversation through the content that was put out there. And then the community that's talked about that, which subsequently influences, that's the rise of social influence today, commerce, right? So as David Ogilvy said, we sell or else. And that's the only KPI that matters, right? Talking about how many hearts did I get or, or, or retweets or thumbs up, right? Those are false KPIs. The key performance indicator that matters for a brand is sales. Did I get somebody to act? Did I get somebody to react? Or most importantly, did I get somebody to transact through that, if you will, journey from culture to commerce? And all of that is today put into context, So when you think about moment marketing, this idea that we live in moments, Instagrams are moments. Oh my God, look, look who's at, uh, you know, such and such concert. And right, we live vicariously to our friends that we follow, the influencers that we follow. And the same thing with Twitter, right? Twitter really should have been the Twitter news network because it's real-time communication taking place, right? In Ukraine right now, right? Where everything has been blocked and and, and Russia is going to invade Ukraine and, and Ukrainians are on Twitter talking about what's happening outside their front door. And that's the small, big world we live in. 8 billion people on the planet, yet I'm one tweet away from anybody in the world, right? So when you think about Web3 relative to Web1.0 and Web2.0, it's about the evolution of the technology that's enabling that framework to move faster. Web1.0 was a browser. Jim Clark and Mark Andreessen, right now Andreessen Horowitz, created Netscape. And it had a little window up top where I could type in an address and boom, the browser took me to that website and it was tethered to my computer. Web 2 was basically the appification of everything. Oh, there's an app for that. And that went on my phone. And then rather than the computer taking me somewhere, I took my app everywhere, right? It was in my back pocket. It's like, Apple says Hollywood in your pocket. Web three is everything anywhere. And web three is about the world being spatial, the physical and the digital. And if I point my phone, which is really the first screen because it's first person, if I point my phone at a lemon, if something's behind that lemon relative to the image of a lemon, the screen is going to take me to the lemon growers of America experience that lemon growers want me to experience. And maybe it's like the angry orange, the animated orange back in the uh, early days of the internet. Maybe it's a sour lemon who's uh, doing stand-up comedy like Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. But my point is, is that every object in the world now is active. And that takes me into the metaverse. Objects become portals that open up into what is behind that object. So think about you're at a bus station or a subway station in Manhattan. There's a poster for the latest Marvel film from Disney. I point my phone at it and it immediately takes me to the trailer for that. And then upon watching it, because it knows where I am GPS wise with my phone, it says, would you like to go to the Cinemark theater that's near you 
buy tickets now. And once I buy the ticket, would you like to redeem that for an NFT, which is a digital collectible, right? Which is an image of that Marvel film. And now that gateway has not only opened me up to Marvel, but I've opened myself up to Disney and Marvel to communicate back. And in essence, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I've raised my hand and said, yes, tell me more. And that's really the power of Web3 is that it's seamless, that it's spatial, that it's always on, and it's data-led, creative-fed, meaning that the more that we know about you, the more that we can feed your interests with the things that are going to be of interest to you. I always feel like I always call it like the evolution and revolution of storytelling is when I'm talking about the metaverse and Web 3.0. We're evolving to the next level of technology and our storytelling. Like if I'm hitting a lemon, but I get the lemon grow story behind it because brand loyalty, you're loyal to the brand, to the story behind what you're trying to push out. So I call it the evolution and revolution of storytelling into the metaverse is kind of where I've been talking about with a lot of people lately. So I love that this is all about taking this to such a higher level. And I don't think people understand the depth of, like you said, the spatial depth of how far we could go right now, because I think people are just kind of stuck on the first layer. They're not really digging in deeper. And I don't know if there's a lack of education, a lack of technology clarity out there. I mean, You've seen this, you've been asked a lot of questions as well to kind of define where this market is. Where do you think the roadblocks are with people adapting into this right now? Yeah. So look, I mean, it's just going back to what you just said a second ago in terms of the evolution, revolution of storytelling, right? So we actually believe we're moving from storytelling into story worlds, right? And this idea that that we're world building. And, you know, again, a great example of that is Marvel. Marvel and and their Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? When you look at the way in which they've built their properties, where you've got, and Kevin, you know, has done a phenomenal job, the executive producer of, of every Marvel project out there to date, where the TV show, the films, right? The animated series, they all link into the MCU. And although they're not sequential, right? They are all interrelated. And now, of course, if you go to Disney Plus, it's like, watch all Marvel films in sequence, right? And I can actually go through story by story by story to see how the MCU really unfolds. That's a world. That's a cinematic, in their case, universe, right? Dare I say metaverse that has been built. Now, imagine if you take a comic book, an eight-episode series, a two-hour feature film, right? And the physical world around me, mash all that together and gamify it where I am now in the world. I'm a character in the world with my avatar. That's where we're going in terms of story worlds. When I talk about storytelling for the years that I've been doing this, I challenge people, is storytelling one word or two, right? I believe it's two. Story is a constant. We'll always tell stories. We told stories by drawing on, on the cave as, as, as cavemen. We, we tell it around the campfire. We told it on a radio, which is now a podcast in terms of audio stories. We told it on black and white with the Flintstones in an animated manner. We told it in color. We told it with THX sound with Lucas when he enhanced our, our, our journey into Star Wars, right? Telling is a variable. Telling is the technology, how we tell the story, right? When you think about Walt Disney with animation, he figured out with Steamboat Mickey how to tell a different story through a flipbook, 
flipping that character through the world that they lived in, right? And that telling is a variable. And what we're dealing with right now in terms of Web3 is a new form of telling stories, which is a interrelated world that again, is always on, is constant, is changing, is dynamic, right? And it allows us to be linear, but then at some point allows us to branch into other areas that are of interest to me. So the story becomes my journey, right? And that's what's, it's, it's like choose your own adventure. And that's what's so exciting is, is how that feedback loop will fit into that to the point that it's no longer lean back and just talk at me. It's really lean in, right? Remember that old uh, Max L ad where the guy's sitting in the chair and the music is blowing him away, right? Like we want to go up against that power of sound, that power of, of story, right? And lean into that story and be part of it. And that's when, that's when brands and consumers really have a dynamic relationship. You know, what I find so interesting when you talk about storytelling, you also talk about building worlds. And I feel like the generation, up and coming generation, they're all about Minecraft and Roblox. And it's kind of this closed world or these walled worlds where they can build their world, but they can also share it with friends. So it's almost like they're getting indoctrinated into creating worlds to share. So give our audience a little bit of background between like a walled world and an open world. And where do you think is going to be the business model that comes out on top? Yeah. So it's interesting that you hone in on this idea of worlds. Uh, first off, we're all very familiar with .com and dot .edu and, and, and .org right? All the different routes in terms of the addresses where one's content lives. We believe that brands are going to start building dot worlds. So imagine Tiffany.world. And when I get there, it's this big blue box. And it's like, oh, what's in the box, right? It reminds me of Monty Hall and Let's Make a Deal, right? Where the big box comes out. And, and this idea, because keep in mind on the internet, right? Things still need to live somewhere, right? We have email addresses. My email lives there. We have a mailbox. My mail lives there. We have a house. You live there, right? Things still need to live somewhere. So this idea that brands are going to have dot world, that's going to be that destination in the metaverse that I can visit. Now, how I get there, right? I may scan a QR code and it takes me there. I may point my phone at the TV and it takes me there. Point my phone at an ad, it takes me there, right? Whether it's a print ad or a billboard, my phone may hear something, just like Instagram hears what I talk about, and all of a sudden it's in my feed. My phone may hear something, and it takes me there, right? So, so that input-output, the I.O., is a portal that's taking me to that destination that, by the way, I've asked to go there. I have actively said that. So enough with this interruptive advertising world we live in where you push shit at me all day long. No, I want to pull. I don't want to push, right? I'm going to pull you into my world, right, so I can enter yours, don't be pushed. Don't be a pusher, right? Uh, pushing your 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 bad entertainment on me, your bad product. Number one. So the world and the idea of walled worlds are those are the the game worlds that you referenced, right? So Roblox. In Roblox, I buy Robux, and using Robux, I buy skins from the Avengers because they did a deal with Disney. And now my character can wear that, or I go to Vans Experience, or I go, go to the Ralph Lauren store and pick up some new duds for my, for my character, right? That's enclosed in that world. I can't take those assets out of that world. Once my son uses my credit card to buy the Robux, I can't convert Robux into V-Bucks in Fortnite or into Mana in Decentraland. Those bucks can only be used in that world. So think about a world where... To this day, can I spend US dollars 
In Russia, no, they want rubles. So I got to go to a bank and I can convert my dollars to rubles and then I got to buy things using rubles, right? And the uniformity of a walled world, right, where things are closed versus an open world, which is where we get into decentralization, which is what Web3 is, where assets can move in and out of worlds and they stay in my wallet, okay? And, and as such, if I go to any place, I can use my NFT avatar as my character. I can use my Ethereum or my Cardano or Solana. It may need to be wrapped, right, or converted, just like I would go to a foreign currency exchange and convert my dollars into rubles, right? But that's happening seamlessly. And then anything that I acquire in that open world, like the central land or, or sandbox, I am able to bring out of that world and back maybe into the physical world, right? Or post somewhere else. We see the Roblox, the Minecrafts, the Fortnites right now as on-ramps into the metaverse. And as you said, today's young people, eight-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old, they're building out these worlds. So we're conditioning them right? Behavioral economics, you know, their behavior is, hey, I can build my own world, right? Just like young kids' behaviors when first tablets came out and you saw four-year-olds walking up to a giant TV set and trying to swipe the thing. And, you know, you would think that Samsung would be like, oh, wait, maybe my TV should be swipeable, uh-huh. right? But, you know, that would be too easy, right? God forbid any electronics manufacturer really listens to what consumers want versus tells us what they think we want. So the idea that you can build a world, publish the world, right, plays into the creator economy. And the way that we look at Web3 right now in terms of the communities is there's three primary communities that are really diving into this, into this movement. The first is the gaming community. We touched on them. And by the way, those individuals are used to paying for skins, 99 cents. They're used to loot boxes where like all of a sudden the box shows up and you press it and all this stuff comes out of it and you collect it for your guy and then you start using it, right? And they're attuned to building. They build in Minecraft, they build in Fortnite, they build in Roblox. The second community is, is the crypto community. These are early adopters, right? They're trading crypto. They're looking for new asset classes. And that new asset class is an NFT. That new asset class is a digital good, right? Digital collectible that has value and that is on chain, meaning that it's on the blockchain and it's verified, et cetera. The third community in this Venn diagram that with Web3 sitting at the center, that third community is the creator community. These are individuals that are creating daily Twitch shows, podcast creators, designers that are building out mini games, creators in play to earn games that are building that out, right? And those three communities represent a multi-trillion dollar opportunity. Uh, yes, the uh, you know the market, uh, crypto market over the past weekend, you know, lost significant value. But this is preseason in terms of what's happening out there. The gaming industry alone is a 185 billion dollar year industry. The crypto market right now, as of today, uh, being January 25th, is valued at roughly 1.8 trillion in terms of the uh, the valuation of all those tokens, and that's just the tokenomics aspect of it. And then the creator community. When you look at that whole movement, you're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars there as well. So what we're dealing with here is really the underpinning of a new economy that's going to continue to evolve. And as we get more individuals adopting this technology, we move ourselves to mass. So there's a very interesting chart out there that shows you mass adoption 
of new technologies. The radio took, and I don't have a chart in front of me, the radio took 50 years to reach mass. The TV took 35 years to reach mass. The computer took 20 years to reach mass. The internet took 10 years to reach mass. The cell phone took eight years to reach mass, right? So at what point does digital wallet adoption and the use of Ethereum or anything within Web3, how long does it take to reach mass? And a lot of people have said it's like Moore's Law. If you're familiar with Moore's Law, it's smaller, faster, right? With greater power, with more power. So if you start to apply Moore's Law of chip manufacturing into consumption of media and technology and adoption rates, right? We're going to be dealing with a billion wallets on a globe of 8 billion people, right? Within years. And that's why the VC community is so excited about Web3 right now. And everybody's running to the gate because within five years, you're going to probably have a billion wallets worldwide and uh, new currencies and new asset classes that are being used to transact. I want to like, I want to get into the complexities of crypto and NFTs and all that, but I want to kind of roll us back a second before we get too far on this about owned worlds and the branding features of owning a gamifying your brand, going back to your Tiffany's comment of, and I know what Snoop Dogg kind of put a stake some sovereign territory up there. He's got his own land talking about creating our own worlds. I want to talk a little bit and touch base from, you know, whether it's sports, branded entertainment, major high stake brands. I want to kind of touch base on the build out of your own world up there. Cause I feel like we all know the metaverse. We all want to be everybody else's where we want to share, come and go. But I want to kind of expand on the digital branding of building our own world, staking our own territory. I kind of feel like I'm going to age myself again on podcast day here. You know that game risk. Remember the game risk? Well, you're you're, sure. you're fighting a battle for properties and lands and stuff. I always go for my favorite sovereign territories. Like, let's talk about that. And like, where is that going? Because I know it's an infinite world out there, but we're now starting to hear people are building their own, owning their own worlds. Yeah. So in terms of that, we believe that brands are going to create their own experiences in the metaverse. So right now, Nike has Nike lands inside of Roblox. The NFL has built an NFL store inside of Roblox where I can get NFL jerseys, et cetera. So you're going to be creating these digital destinations, these digital outposts that are going to exist in in walled and open worlds. And then those are actually going to become gateways as well into the NFL.world. And NFL.world may have every stadium in the league. It may have the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It may have every Lombardi trophy uh, with every Super Bowl team and every uh, game ever played and clips of that. It may have interviews from NFL films, okay, with all of the uh, great footage that NFL has created within their film division over the years. And all of that becomes an IP library in an archaeological well of content that can be sorted through and programmed accordingly. And then if you layer in AI on top of that, imagine having all of that footage, right? And it's like, okay, today's world, I'm going to program where show me the clips of great moments in NFL history that happened 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, because we're going to celebrate those anniversaries, right? You know, when is Terry Bradshaw's birthday? I have no idea, but obviously the computer does, the world does. And now we're celebrating Terry's birthday in NFL world, okay, and everything is going, you know, Steelers uh, black and gold, right? So your ability to, to build a narrative around that world 
and program that accordingly to then tap into your fans, which increases the engagement because now what we're doing is pushing to you, come celebrate Terry Bradshaw's birthday with us today, right? And rather than getting that wonderful uh, text from Facebook, letting me know that it's somebody's birthday who I have no idea who they are, but somehow they're in my Facebook feed. Is that not right? annoying to you? Like, I'm so tired of getting like all my Facebook people and half, let's be honest, do I know them? Yeah. Do I like him? Yeah. But they're dropping into my iCal and it's just like, it, yeah. it's just, it, we're being overloaded with, I mean, but it's going into like the, because like what's so funny here, two years ago, wait, I don't know what year it is anymore with COVID. I was giving a keynote to the 2020 Wine, Travel and Tourism and Marketing Association on leaning into tech experiential and digital twinning. And it's interesting how two, three years later, we are coming full circle with some of these buzzwords we were trying to convince people to lean into that are now reality. And, you know, to your point, sports, music, there's been some very prominent places in the metaverse taking over digital worlds and stuff. But where are we moving into next? Like where are our secondary markets? Because we know it's sports and music right now and entertainment, but you and I had a great time. Arsenal, motion, planes, yachts. Is there a place for secondary markets that's sustainable or are we always going to kind of ride out the storm on sports, music, entertainment, where the big dollars are? Uh, Yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're starting right now. We're starting with the cultural communities that have scale that have importance in in the world and that really attract a lot of a lot of money right that's where brand dollars go as we've seen i think it's if i'm not mistaken miller light is launching a bar in the metaverse as part of their super bowl activation and yes, i have a bar it, and you're all invited so right. and, uh, like right. all over again <laughs> and, and and rather than taking a super bowl spot Right, they're building out a destination uh, in the metaverse. So you know, we'll see how how well that's attended. You know, if a tree falls in the forest, you know, does anybody really hear it? I don't know. Right, and we're it's 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 experimentation right now. I think it would be smarter for them to be buying an ad during the Super Bowl that's going to push people to their bar in the metaverse, and thus they're provoking. Right, I like to tell people when people say, "What do you do?" I tell people I'm a cultural provocateur. Right. I, I provoke culture, I shape culture, I manipulate culture, right, to create these moments that everybody experiences together, that, that, that become memorable, that become historic. And by launching something, you know, I mean, the, the great creative would have been for Miller to build this fantastical world as a 30-second spot that gets people to point their phone directly at that commercial while it's going, and boom, at the end of the spot, relative to watching the Snickers spot right after it, now I'm on my phone and you just sucked me into a Miller Lite world that basically I've now just ignored the Snickers commercial during the Super Bowl because you took me onto my phone and you shifted my screen and shifted my focus away. And that's behavioral economics. That's changing behavior relative to the way that we're accustomed to doing the things we're doing. So, you know, this idea of why sports, why film, why fashion, why music is because it's got mass appeal right? Will we move to niche markets? Of course we will, right? There's a nicheification of everything. And we've seen that. And, you know, will there be a, a pet verse one day where there's a metaverse for my pets? And when I leave my house, my dog can immerse itself to its doggy bowl and go hang out with other dogs in a virtual park? Probably. 
exactly what that looks like and whether Mark Zuckerberg is going to, you know, make uh, Oculus goggles for dogs. I, I don't know, but, you know, it could happen. And, and, you know, all of that stuff is, is in theory, part of what's being built out right now. Well, if you, if you talk about, like you said, you know, they're changing where well, your phone changes, you you want to be on one subject. To me, I call these guys change agents because it's their whole job to change what you're looking at, what you're feeling, what you're seeing to that immediate gratification of what they want you to feel and see and purchase and buy. I mean, they're change agents. We're going to see more of them coming up as we start evolving um, over this next year or so. Yeah. You can call them change agents. You can call them marketers. You can call them snake oil salesmen, whatever you want to call them. I like the PR version of change agents, leader makers, but that's a whole other conversation. So uh, we get a lot of questions on how do I find out more information? Because we're talking about, and I think this is a statistic you use, like it's going to be a $400 billion of metaverse by 2025. If I'm the average person out there, how do I find out more? How do I stake my claim? How do you stake your claim? Look, I mean, first first thing you got to do is, is understand the landscape, understand where, where you fit in the landscape and really uh, identify what it is that you want to do. Do you want to develop virtual clothes? Do you want to create a comedy show where you can do stand-up comedy, right? And then you got to go find a good comedy club to go do stand-up in. Do you want to be a real estate developer and start uh, building out uh, buildings and other locations for people to inhabit, right? So I think- We're talking about DAOs though. We're talking about the centralized autonomous organizations. Well, Dallas- How to stake your claim, how to stake it is building your DAO. Am I wrong? Well, the DAO is, is, you know, a DAO is like, uh, like an NFT. It's, a, it's another tool in the tool shed to utilize. So right now there's a dolphin DAO out there. So it's a group that's trying to buy a piece of the Miami Dolphins, right? There is the Constitution DAO out there, which was a group that came together to try and buy a copy of the US Constitution when it went up for auction. So these are, yes, these are decentralized autonomous organizations there are groups of people that are coming together with a contribution towards collectively owning an asset where all people are equal in that group. Like Board Ape Yacht Club. Yes. There's a lot of discussion as to whether that's a DAO, whether it's just more of a community. They're moving it more to a DAO structure. So I, you know, but it's not like they were like, hey, let's create the Board Ape Yacht Club and it's going to be a DAO. No, they said, let's create the Board Ape Yacht Club and make a lot of fucking money. And then after they did that, right, and it blew up. Then it was like, okay, there's only 10,000 of these out here. And now they're moving into merchandise and creating bands and a whole host of other things that are iterative off of that asset. But I don't know that I would call the intent of Board API Club initially was to build a DAO, which was going to be a decentralized organization to basically own the underlying IP or the asset. Let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about NFTs. I mean, I on the Board API Yacht Club, I'm not a big fan of the apes but i mean you know there's a whole bunny one out there you and i have been talking you know with this one artist who we think has such a tremendous potential play marco dapper into this is there any nfts that you think as we evolve that are going to become the big pillars into the nft space or is it really going to be one of those land grabs so to speak to see what sticks i don't know that i would call it a land grab a bad term it's art. I, Beauty is a part of your art. Well, look, could anybody have predicted that Beeple's collection was going to sell for $69 million? No. I mean, it was, 
It was the right moment relative to irrational exuberance, stealing from Alan Greenspan's comment on the bubble, the internet bubble back in the day, which is kind of what we're dealing with right now with SPACs and IPOs and NFTs and all of this shit as well. And it was just one of these cultural moments that took place. I don't know that there's going to be a an NFT or, or IP that is going to light the world on fire. If I knew that, then I wouldn't be here talking to the two of you. I would be basically focused on that and making gazillions of dollars through that right now. But I think what wins is innovation. I think the more innovative people are, the more that they stretch the application of an NFT in its current form, the faster we progress, and then there'll be new winners, new applications, new ideas that emerge. Before we let you run to your pitch, I know you're a subnation, so much going on over there, so much tremendous work. Can you give us the two minutes on the arcade? Because I feel like that's such a tremendous thing moving into NFTs, into this whole universe. The arcade is at Fred Siegel's here in Hollywood, California, and you're curating NFTs, digital and physical goods there, correct? Yes. So uh, basically arcade, as you said, it's uh, Fred Siegel on Sunset. It's a uh, combined NFT gallery with curated collectibles that change based on our cultural theme each month. So January was uh, music for Grammys. February is sports for Super Bowl and, and Valentine's Day. March will be around movies with the Oscars in town. And then we have a streaming studio there as well with live podcasts being broadcast out of there, as well as uh, gameplay that's being streamed, et cetera. And uh, it's really a space and a place for artists to launch their NFT collections, for collectors to showcase their collections, for consumers to learn more about what's happening in this uh, Metaverse Web3 environment. We're working right now on extending uh, Arcade into the Metaverse. It's a really a Web3 shopping experience. Uh, so from art books to bare bricks, from uh, trading cards to a goldfish in a Supreme fishbowl, you know, it's, it's just a uh, kind of a cool concept for people to, to come together and celebrate new technology and art. Okay. I love having you on. I know you got to run. Uh, we are looking forward to continuing this conversation. Um, As am I. A few more subjects that I know Marge and I have for you right now. So we will be talking to Doug Scott probably next week again to finish this podcast. But until then, subnation.gg has from the esports to the NFTs to the whole metaverse world that Subnation is actually a transmedia company moving into. It was so awesome. You've got to run to your pitch. We yes. loved having you on the show. Doug Scott, this is Sarah Miller, Marjorie DeHay, and we'll catch up with you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.